Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 025. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, have you ever felt limited in how much good you thought you could do for others? Like there's some kind of cap on your ability to make a difference in the world? A lot of people might feel this way. Those who are young, small, or just not as strong or strong-willed as others. God shows that through him, even the smallest group or smallest person can make a difference in big ways. How does that work? Let's check it out. Have you ever been able to relate to the David and Goliath story because you understand David's perspective? you ever had that feeling where you are just faceless or anonymous in a crowd, thinking, I can't do anything of value, I'm not somebody special? Maybe you've even thought, you know, I'm not the, the head honcho. Yeah, I'd like to make a difference, but what can I do with just little old me? There's a lot of different scenarios that can put us into that state of mind, and really none of them are fun. Because just as human beings, we like the idea of being able to make a difference. Maybe that's a blanket statement, but I'm going to take the assumption that that's true. That we like to know that something we did today made the world a better place, made somebody's life just a little bit better. Common human desire. Well, if you're interested in making the world a better place, then I got a great church letter for you today. Because the church at Philadelphia definitely was not the head honcho, definitely was not the big cheese of the Roman Empire. And yet God has so much encouragement for the people of this church, and for you by extension today in this letter. So let's pray, and then we'll check it out. God, thank you for these words that have survived through history so that we can learn from them and grow from them today. Help us to do that. Through your spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, today we have the finale of our Dear Church series. Looking at a couple of the letters that John writes to the churches in the book of Revelation. And if you are familiar with the churches before we started up this series, you know this is the week we've been waiting for. Philadelphia. Because this is the one church that is 100% encouragement. There is no condemnation. There is no critique. There is no, I have this against you, or we need to talk about this. But it's entirely encouragement. Even though the circumstances within the church would have seemed to say otherwise. Let's dive right into what John says, what Jesus says through John in Revelation 3. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, You have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying. I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God, and you will never go out from it. I will write on you the name of my God, 
and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this church of Philadelphia and this city, no, not the one down south in Pennsylvania, the one over in the biblical world, was slated to be a strong city, a strong church. In fact, one of the guys who was credited with finding the city or founding the city, whichever the word is, Pergamenes, wanted Philadelphia to be this gateway of Greek culture out into the world. Now, there's a reason why Greek culture has had the impact on Western civilization as we know it. Because the people in this culture are smart. And they know that if there is a city that is constantly riddled with earthquakes and getting bombarded by volcanoes, how do you survive? You move out of the city. That is how you survive an earthquake and volcano-ridden area. Hence, This is not some 10,000-person, eight-services-standing-room-only-every-Sunday kind of church. This is a church that's, well, this, us, tiny, if you will. And yet, God has so many encouraging things for this church. I mean, how does a church that is this small have this tiny a dot on the map get such a prized spot in the book of Revelation, in in the Bible? Because they were faithful. Faithful to the word, faithful to the name. As John says in verse 7, I know you have but little power, yet you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. They have kept the word. Great place to start. They have kept the name. They have not denied the name of Jesus. One writer kind of expands on this. To understand, you have kept my name as, you have acknowledged my, my deity. You have not acknowledged the fact that Jesus Christ is God. And this can be a game changer because it reminds us that they are not listening. They are not following some interesting teacher. They're not listening to some charismatic life enhancement guru. They're listening to God. They're following God. They're being faithful to God. And when you hear the description that John puts out about the writer, Jesus, it completely changes the perspective when you remember this is God that they're following. He says in verse 7, These are the words of the Holy One, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. So Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper. If you only hang on to five words out of this message, hang on to that. Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper. Now when you hear this verse, think of the the word doors as ministry opportunities. Okay, that will give us some kind of context to, to hear what they're doing and how it can relate to us. Now, I know you may think, well, I don't have a platform. I'm not on a stage. I don't have a microphone or a YouTube personality. Why are people going to listen to me? What kind of opportunities am I going to have? Well, Jesus has heard those kind of objections. And he says, yep, I know. Sometimes you may say, I'm not a writer. I'm not a speaker. People don't know who I am. What's God going to do with little old me? And Jesus says, you know what? There was this guy a while back named Moses who sort of said the same thing. I know. Jesus is the gatekeeper. When Jesus opens those doors, gives us those ministry opportunities, our job is not to hold the door open. 
That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is simply to step through it. And we can sometimes pigeonhole who God is going to call to step through that door. What kind of people God is going to use to put through that door. But the fact is, Scripture is riddled with people who you would never think the God of the universe would use, starting at Moses and even before, all the way through the Scriptures. There was a man who, outside of one line, may not be known to anybody other than the best of church historians, named Henry Varley. He was a revivalist out of the the 1800s, the 19th century. And he said in a small meeting one time, this line that I believe he's known for, that the world has yet to see what God can do with a person fully consecrated to him, fully devoted to him. Now, I like this line, particularly for what Varley doesn't say. And a lot of times, that's what I'll look for. Okay, here's the, the things that are said, but what doesn't he say? He doesn't say, the world is yet to see what God can do through a superhero, or what God can do with somebody who has 100,000 Facebook followers. He says, the world is yet to see what God can do through somebody wholly consecrated, wholly devoted to him. And as he was telling this, story, telling this line at this small meeting back in the 1800s, there was a young shoemaker who heard the line, and he couldn't get it out of his head. And he tried to sleep that night, and he couldn't, because this line kept going through his head. The world is yet to see what, somebody, what God can do through somebody wholly devoted to him. And he responded with one line as well. I aim to be that man. Now, you may not have ever heard of Henry Varley, but maybe you've heard of that young shoemaker. His name is D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, founder of Moody Bible Institute back in Chicago. Best way to summarize D.L. Moody is he is the Billy Graham of the 19th century. If that kind of puts a little bit of context to what this young shoemaker became. Now, who would ever think God could use some guy who days before was probably nailing souls into a shoe to change the world? Who would think that God would use some no-name revivalist to be his mouthpiece, to set up that young shoemaker to go and change the world? Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper. And his commandments are his enablements. If God, if Jesus opens that door, nothing shuts it. Not your critics, not your persecutors, not the excuses you may put out, not those quirky traits that you think, there's no way God could use me because of this ism that I have. Nothing closes that door. So are there some rewards to this idea of being faithful? Do we get something out of it? It's an honest question. Well, the first one that I'll put out, that John will put out for me, I'll just sort of relay it, is that we get the honor of God. We get to be pillars in God's temple, as he puts it. It's kind of like out in the narthex. We have a plaque of people who had contributed, who had been a part of the expansion of the church years ago. And we honor them in that way. That's sort of the same idea of being a pillar, that you have your name kind of etched into God's temple. And I think it's ironic as well, we have a God with a sense of humor, the way God would work this out. But that God would take people who are from this very unstable ground. The city of Philadelphia was in shambles half the time because of earthquakes. 
completely destroyed in 17 AD. This unstable ground, and you know what? They are going to become the pillar of stability. The picture of stability in God's temple. Now that's not all. As if honoring, being honored by God is not enough of a reward. But there's more coming out of the, one of the other verses. Out of verse 12. I will write on you the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven, and on my own name. Now, when I got to this point in writing the message, I, had to, I started to get stuck. And I had to start wrestling, which is where you know hopefully the goods start to come. Because I had to ask myself, as I looked at all these different lines, all these different rewards that we get, the unfortunate thing is they all are on the other side of heaven. Is there anything that we get to experience on this side? So we can have something in the here and now while we're struggling, while we're like Philadelphia, small, tiny, wondering if we have any power to have a voice, any power to make a difference. And I was reminded of what Peter says in 2 Peter 3.8, where he reminds his listeners that God's sense of timing is so totally different than ours. He uses the phrase that a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And so I look at that, and I think, and I look at these rewards that John's talking about, and I try and see it from God's perspective for just a second. And I realize God says, you know what? This side of heaven, other side of heaven, that's fine if it's all on the other side. You're going to get to experience it. Is there something, though? Because I'm human, because I'm on this side of heaven, I ask this question. Is there something here and now that we get that keeps us going? And the cool thing is, yes, there is. We get more open doors to walk through. When we start stepping through one door, and we're faithful in that, we get more doors. Now, I know that may sound like really circular logic. Like... Me saying, if you do good work, the prize is you get more work to do. It's an honest thought. But here's what John is talking about when he says, don't let somebody seize your crown. As I've said earlier, we don't, a church, Christians, do not lose their salvation. But they can miss opportunities to be blessed. And so don't lose those opportunities. So here's kind of how it plays out. There is a certain unique joy that a Christian can get from hearing that somebody else has accepted Christ in their life. That somebody else has said, I surrender my life to the Lord. That yesterday I was dead in my sin, and today I am alive in Christ. That's, I mean, that's the authority of Scripture saying that. There's a unique joy in getting to be a part of that, getting to experience that. But the closet Christians, the ones who sort of do their thing anonymously on Sunday morning, for an hour and then disappear off into the shadows, they don't get to experience that very often. The people who do get to experience it, those who, though they may be of little power, are the ones who, when God opens the door of an opportunity, they step through it. There is a unique fellowship, a unique joy that comes out of serving side by side with a brother or sister in Christ. Honestly, since I've been a Christian, some of the, my favorite moments in ministry are washing dishes side by side with a fellow brother or sister. You don't get that, by, that kind of joy by proxy. You don't get, oh, they wash dishes, so I'm going to be happy. Well, maybe you'll be happy that you didn't have to wash the dishes. I get that. But who are those that get to really experience that in its fullness? Those who, though they may be of little power, 
little stage, little microphone, if any microphone at all, when that door of opportunity is opened, that God sets before them, that nothing will shut, they step through it. And so that's my challenge for you this week. This week, to be an overt Christian. Now, I know one or two of you are starting to squirm because of this thought. I promise you it does not require a megaphone and a street corner to be an overt Christian. Okay? So don't panic. Maybe it means if you're going out to lunch or or dinner or whatever, that you pray before you eat. Maybe it means that you tell somebody who doesn't already know that you go to church. Or we'll even step that up one more level to invite them to join you the next time you go. Tell you what, you can even blame me on this one. You can say, hey, my pastor said, if I tell you I go to church, I don't have to listen to him next week. <laughs> Fine. I want to hear from Marie next week when she leads worship that this church doubled because of that promise. I'm all right with that. If you guys are already doing this, great. Keep doing it, by all means. But think of this as a reminder that you don't need a big stage to make a difference. All you have to do is see that opportunity that Jesus opens for a ministry, small as it may be, and take that step of faith. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, we'll be starting a new worship series that addresses some of the confusing times that we live in. If you've checked out your favorite news site or noticed the What's Trending links in your email, you might scratch your head wondering where the world is going. Has God left the building? As we'll all find out, God may be working in some pretty creative ways to bring about His will. How? We'll find out next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.